Hallelujah. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you praise with much thanksgiving for you are worthy. We thank you that you said anytime that we could see, hear, and understand that we would be converted and healed. So we thank you that our eyes are open to see, our ears are open to hear, and our heart is open for understanding and that conversion is coming to our house today. And that conversion always produces healing in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you have called us for such a time as this in order to advance your kingdom and to do your will. We thank you for the staring of gifts, talents, and abilities that are at work in us so that your kingdom can be advanced, God. We thank you that our lives are on purpose and for purpose and that we will fulfill our destiny according to the will of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, you can be seated. You can be seated. So those of you who are partners of FOC, let me just say this. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's all that's left. So um, I'm going to have to be going for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm going to have to go for the Chiefs. That I mean, our, our partner is a Chiefs fan. His team made it. That, that, that's what we got left, right? <laughs> so, amen. Um, I want to just talk to you guys today. Today. Um, just about something God has put on my heart, and I believe that if we'll listen to it, we'll be the better for it. Amen. How many of you know that the Lord wants you to live your best life? Amen. You know, not everybody believes that. A lot of people believe that being a Christian is just about how much you can suffer and how much you can be mistreated and all of that different stuff. But John 10 and 10 says, Jesus came that you might have life. Say, God wants you to live. No, look somebody in the face and say, no, God wants you to live, not just exist, not just go through the motions, not just barely make it. God wants you to live. So I want you to look another neighbor in the face. I want you to prophesy. Say, I prophesy life to you. Live. Live. I don't think we take this idea that God wants us to live seriously enough. And as a result, many people spend most of their life just surviving, just barely making it, going to jobs they don't really like, in relationships that don't really give them fulfillment, living in cities that they don't really enjoy, getting to, I mean, just having to live for Friday and dread Monday. Literally, there are people already this morning who are already thinking, dang, tomorrow is Monday. If you're thinking that, you're not living. Jesus came for you to live. But in order to live, you've got to activate your faith in the fact that your life can be more than what you've seen, even if you've never seen it from anybody. If everybody you know has struggled and if everybody you know hates their job and if everybody you know is barely making it, you have to choose to believe the word of God for your life. I read a quote the other day and, um, and it said, I thought it was so good. It said, the Lord has you standing in front of this mountain so that when you speak to it and it falls, other people will see that it can fall. And I was thinking that so many times we're in these places and we don't even understand that God is inviting us into these opportunities to really go to the next level of living, not just because he loves us, and he does, 
but because your breakthrough becomes testimony for somebody else to break through. You, if you're in a bad marriage and then, some, and then your marriage get, turns around, your marriage becomes a testimony. If you were flunking out college algebra and it was the only thing keeping you from graduating and then you pass college algebra and graduate, you become a testimony for somebody else. And God wants to do something in your life that makes you a testimony to somebody else. Amen? Say, God wants me to really live. I want you to soak that in. God wants me to really live. What's the purpose of sending a perfect Savior to the earth to die on the cross, to be abused, to be mistreated, if you're just going to get up and live like he never died? If your marriage go look like everybody else's, if your health go look like everybody else's, if your money go look like everybody else's, if your peace go look like everybody else's, he came for us to live. Somebody shout live. Yeah. I, you started to feel that. You started to feel that. There, see, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if somebody doesn't tell you that you're supposed to live, you will think that you're just supposed to survive. So what I'm trying to do is stare your faith that there is more to your life than what you have currently experienced because God wants you to live. Shall live. Now, the question is, are you going to choose to live or are you going to choose to keep doing what you're doing? Are you going to choose to go after this abundant, amazing, over-the-top, makes people want to throw you in a pit and a prison kind of life, or are you going to stay there where it's comfortable, even though it's uncomfortable? Because it's really not like you designed for all that struggle even if you become comfortable with that level of struggle because you're created for something more. Amen. So I'm going to, you know, try to get into this. So I was thinking about how Pastor Elwin gave us this word, and he gave us this word, and he said that this is the, we're basically we're in a season for, the, for a decade, that we're not just thinking about 2020, we're thinking about the next 10 years. What does God want to do in your next 10 years? And I'm going to tell you that if you don't have some pieces of paper somewhere where you're writing down the next 10 years, I can already tell you what the next 10 years going to be, like the last 10. If you're not somewhere writing the vision down of what the next 10, he says write the vision and make it plain so when you read it, you can run. So if you're not writing anything, you're not running towards anything. And so you ought to be saying, God, what do you want to do in this year that sets me up for the next 10 years? What do you want to do that sets me up for the next 20 years, that sets my kids up, that sets my children, my grandchildren up, so that when I leave this place, I leave my family and the world around me better than I found it. Amen. I'm going to find a few people in here who really are interested in doing more than surviving. Who are really interested in unlocking the key to making your ceiling your kid's floor. To getting your grandkids to have opportunities that you didn't even know existed. To be in spaces and rooms and have experiences. To know peace like maybe you didn't know. To have experiences. To pick colleges. To start businesses. To do to fulfill their destiny. And to think it's normal because it is. 
See, what faith is designed to do is to take you to a new normal. Say, God wants to take me to a new normal. I got about 10 people who like maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll say it again. Say, God wants to take me to a new, a new normal. Say, this normal right here isn't my real normal. It's time to level up. So I was thinking about this. Pastor Edwin was saying, hey, God, he gave us these three words, agreement, alignment, and advancement. And he said, if you're going to go where God wants you to go, you got to get in agreement with where God wants to take you. How many of you know that if God wants you to go to California, but you get in the car and head towards New York, you are not going to California? And it does not matter how much you confess while you drive into New York that you are heading to California, that you are not going to end up in California. And many of us, we don't realize that we're confessing what God is saying, and God is saying the direction is this way, but every day we're living that way. Now, before you get all nervous, I'm not talking about sin the way most of the time we talk about sin in church. I'm not talking about you're fornicating, you're smoking weed, you're cussing, you're lying, you're gossiping. I'm not talking about that. Because in truth, the reason that people settle for those sins is because they're operating in the big sin of unfulfilled potential. People who live in on purpose don't have time to be caught up in some stuff. People who live in destiny, see, the reason we have to tell you to stop gossiping is because ain't nothing happening in your life. Because people who live in destiny, who live on purpose, ain't got time to gossip. We don't know what other people are doing. We don't care what other people are doing because we so busy focused on where we heading that we like, girl, did you hear? No, we didn't hear and we ain't interested in hearing. So the reason we have to talk to you, the reason that we have to talk to you about getting out of bed with people who don't belong to you is because you don't know your value and you don't know who you do belong to because if you knew who you did belong to nobody would have to get you out of bed with who you didn't belong to so I don't want to talk about all the stuff that you've heard in church all your life I want to talk to you about that if you ever discovered who you are there are some things you wouldn't need deliverance from because you just walk away from <laughs> There, no, there, there, when you know who you are, you only need deliverance from the thing you still want to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> you all, if you ever wanted to break up with somebody because you was done, done, you ain't need no prayer, no counseling. You didn't need nobody to keep you from intercepting the calls. You, did, you didn't even need to block them. You just see it and go. Mm. it's only when you still tied to it that you need a deliverance call, you need oil, you need somebody to stay with you at night to make sure you don't accept the call at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm telling you, if you level up who you are, there's some things you won't need deliverance from. You'll just walk away from it. You will just let it fall off of you. You'll just be like, I'm just better than that. I'm just better than that. The thing that I would like to invite you to get delivered from today, to get free from today, to break up with today is average. There is nothing average about you. 
you are created in the image of the least average being ever. There is no way that in your true self you are average. So in order to live as average, you had to forget who you were and take on the wrong identity. They live. You know, this is one of those things that we could hurry up and get to the shout. But, you know, because church people, we good at a shout. But what I want to leave you with is a distaste for being something that you aren't. Something that says, if God has created me for more, I won't waste another moment being less. I was thinking about this. So he says, you have to come into agreement. In order to come into agreement, you have to come into alignment. And alignment will give you advancement, meaning it will put you in the position that you were supposed to be in. And I was thinking about this, that one of the reasons that it's hard to be in agreement with God, even for Christians, is because actually our first alignment is with fear. And we've been taught to be afraid of everything that's not average. I was thinking about this. I was like, the challenge for most people after about high school, okay, because in high school, not even really that you want to make good grades. You just probably live in a house where not making good grades wasn't really an option. It wasn't really that you wanted a four-point it's that most of you lived in a place that put enough pressure on you that said what, what your family was trying to say is you're better than a C student, so we won't accept Cs, right? And the real test of whether you believe that is whether you stop being a C person when there was no pressure. Amen. What's in you? Was I an A student? Because I had a mama who wouldn't let me go out until I did my work. Or was I an A student because I became an A student in my life? Because if I was really an A student, I, I, this is what I know. When I went to college, I was an A student, AB student in high school. In college, I was not. Because I ain't had no pressure. I didn't have anything internally that said be an A student, and I didn't have any external pressure that said be an A student. So I was a just good enough student, a just good enough student. And the truth of it is, is that if most of us are honest, we are still just C students in life. What's the minimum? You Okay. I got any real C students in here? No, I mean, anybody who's not afraid to admit that they're a C student. Okay, so here's the deal with C students. We watch you A students work really hard, and all we calculating is what is the least we can do to get the highest grade. <laughs> no, real talk, C students, we like, we see you up here trying to bust the curve. Go forth, go forth. But we need you to leave about 11 points off because I'm going to need about 11. (laughs) 
And if you've ever, if you, if you ever lived as a C student, the thing about C students is that C students get aggravated with curve busters because we were dependent on the curve busters to get us into average. I want to submit to you ain't much changed since school. I want to change to you that most of us are going through life trying to figure out how to get the most with the least. Um, you know what? I want to be a millionaire, and God gave me a millionaire idea, but you know what? That's too stressful because I got to watch power. So maybe with this scratch off, Made with this scratch off. I'm, I'm not interested in downloading the wisdom that God would give me to become a millionaire. So maybe with this scratch off or with this casino or maybe I can marry rich or maybe I can run this hustle or maybe I can come because I'm interested in the least in order to get the most. And then when somebody shows up and busts the curve, instead of me taking that as an invitation to step up, I talk about them. Oh, I can't believe I'm in class with her. She get on my nerves. Always answering the questions. <laughs> Always got to get a hundred. So I had this opportunity. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, um, I was talking to Caleb when he was home for Christmas. And I was, you know, I am really impressed with Caleb. And, you know, not because he's my kid, because fundamentally he's a better person than I was, particularly as it relates to college. So he's talking to me about how his roommate is never at home and is always kicking it. And he is baffled. And I say, don't worry, he'll graduate. He like, how you know? I'm like, I was your roommate. Sorry, okay? I was your roommate. He'll graduate. Don't worry. So Caleb takes a test. And when he takes the test, the class asks, what's the curve? And the professor says, there is no curve. And somebody says, who blew the curve? And the professor says, Mr. Strickland blew the curve. And then they said to Caleb, stop blowing the curve. And Caleb said, no, you step up. And I was thinking that we got to get to the point that not only are we willing to blow the curve, we're then willing to turn around and tell the other people, why you got to be so much? Why you got to be so happy? Why you got to have such a, why you always got to boast about your vacation? Why you always got to act like you so happy and love? We just turn and say, step up. Level up, because what God has made available to me, he didn't cut it off just for me. It's available for you, too. The question is, but here is the thing that Caleb said was interesting, and I thought it was so interesting about life. He said some of the main people complaining about the curve was people that he see kicking it all the time. He said it's not like they were studying with him and then didn't get there. See, you got to understand that when you make a decision to break out of average, it's going to be somebody who's content in average, who's going to be aggravated that you are choosing to break the barrier of average because here's what happens when somebody breaks the barrier of average. As long as we all average, we can blame race, we can blame gender, we can blame age, we can blame education, but the moment somebody that looked like you break out of average and do something above average, now you don't have an excuse anymore. Did any black woman do it? Did any black man do it? Did anybody from the South do it? Did any
And so then the only way to break out of average is that you went, huh? Mm. Huh? No, I'm trying to fix it because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. See, the challenge for many of us is that we lie to ourselves as though our potential is what we're producing. So because someone, because God is good, so he says things to you like you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made and there's greatness and there's dopeness on the inside of you and there's amazing on the, uh, it, it, it reminds me of a song um, by the great philosopher Beyonce. It's called Diva. And she says something about, um, she says, I'm a diva. And then she says, but what you say, she ain't no diva. She in the club saying she a diva, but she got in on somebody else's money. Okay, you don't like Beyonce. Fine. So what I'm saying is that we have a tendency to talk about ourselves based on our potential without challenging ourselves to rise to our potential. We like to quote what God has said about us, but we don't always like to challenge ourselves to then become what God actually said about us. So we like to say that wealth and riches is in our house until God asks us to take something in our house and make wealth. And then we can't do it. And then we're too tired. And then TV shows are so intriguing. Now, this ain't the first time somebody had this problem. In the Bible, God sent, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. Said, go tell me what you see. 12 spies go into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb are two of them. The other ones, we don't really remember their names, and we don't remember their names because they had the wrong vision. They come back to Moses. Moses say, tell me about the land. Joshua and Caleb say, man, the land over there is fat. Man, they got grapes that it take two people to carry. The land is flowing with milk and honey. And then the other 10 say, but they got some giants over there. You know, they got some white people that don't want us to be dope. No, I want you to know the giants. They got their giants. I'm talking about our giants. They got some men that don't want us at the table. And Joshua and Caleb says, we don't care nothing about the giants. God already told us that the land was ours. They say, but it's so many giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, the thing that's always been interesting to me about this is that they were spies. That meant the people didn't see them. They were grasshoppers in their own eyes, so they decided that the people saw them as grasshoppers. When you keep saying you can't break through, you need to stop and ask yourself, did the people really tell you that? Or are you just a grasshopper in your own sight? Because what I have found is that even if God himself tells you that you're a giant, you're not going to act like a giant because you believe you're a grasshopper. So we have to agree with God. Part of the challenge with agreeing with God is that we would have to put down our pride 
and actually admit that we're way more afraid than we let on. And the interesting thing is that we're afraid of being failures and we're afraid of being completely successful. We, we, we don't want to be at the bottom. Nobody wants to be the person in the family that everybody like, you know, don't be like, that you raising all the kids talking about, don't be like Joe. Nobody want to be like Joe, but nobody really wants to step out and be as absolutely dope as they can be because both of those bring persecution. Being like Joe, Joe gets to be the butt of all the jokes. Everybody uses Joe as the example to tell the kids. Instead of using scary monsters, you see Joe. You be like, you want to be like Uncle Joe? You keep on skipping school, you're going to be just like Uncle Joe. Right? But on this other side, there's persecution too. Because anytime you break from the herd, this is the language we start to hear. They think they better. They think they so much. I'll never forget, I gave up pork years ago. Much to the dismay of my family. We used to raise hogs. I never asked anybody in my family to give up pork. I simply asked them not to give my children pork. You would have thought that I asked them to give my kids crack. They were like, you don't eat pork no more. No, I don't eat pork anymore. Well, it was good enough for you growing up. Now you think you, too, you wouldn't even be alive if we hadn't had these hogs. Yes, ma'am, I understand. And I thank you for raising the hogs and all the bacon that I ate. I no longer eat pork anymore. Hmm. Do you know Sean got the nerve not to eat pork no more? What? And so then for about five years, they tried to trick me. So about five years, they put ham in everything, ham hocks in everything. I'm like, guys, I can see this is pork. I'm not eating it. And the point is this, is that in truth, it didn't bother them that I didn't eat pork anymore. It was what me not eating pork made them have to think about for themselves. They not bothered because you bought a house. They're bothered because you buying a house makes them have to think about if y'all came from the same place, why they haven't bought a house yet. It, 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 they don't, they not really bothered that your marriage worked. They actually really happy for you that your marriage worked. But your marriage working, the fact that y'all got the nerve to come to grandmama's house on Christmas and actually like each other, it reveals to them and it makes them question why their marriage isn't like that. So then what they have to do is make a dig at you to feel better about themselves. This is what I figured out. It's easy to be Joe. Although... It's hard to be Joe because Joe is having to crush a whole lot of his God-given destiny to stay down that low. 
but it's hard to be here. And what most of us never build the mental capacity for is success. Tell your neighbor, say it takes a mindset to be successful on repeat. Everybody knows about a one-hit wonder. From every generation, there is a song that was the bomb, and we never hear of the artist again. We do not know what happened to them after that. It really ain't that hard to score 20 points one time. You can fluke up on 20 points one time. What happens is when you do it one time, there is now an expectation that if you did it once, you ought to be able to duplicate it. And most of us are afraid of having to sustain success over time. Thanks for the one clap. I appreciate that so much. I wanted to talk about favor today. But ain't no point in activating favor if you're scared to step into the opportunity. The issue is not that you're not blessed. Say, I'm already blessed. The issue is not that you're not favored. You're already favored. Say, I'm already favored. The issue is that you are afraid of the dopeness that's actually on the inside of you. So every time God invites you over here, you come up with a way to self-sabotage yourself and go back in the herd where you can fit in. Except the problem is this. You've been activated. Tell your neighbor you've been activated. Tell your neighbor you've been activated. Anybody ever watched a movie with any spies and they put a Russian spy in America and he lived just like an American until he got activated? And he, was, he had kids and he was going to work and he drove the minivan and then he got activated. And once he got activated, what was in him couldn't keep him quiet anymore. I am declaring that what has been activated in you will not keep you being able to let you to stay quiet anymore. You used to be okay with data entry, but you're supposed to be the manager. You're not going to be okay just doing data entry anymore. So, if you go into this next place, it's some stuff you got to break up with. I want to tell you, tell your neighbor, say, you got to grow up because haters aren't going anywhere. In fact, the Bible first tells us about haters. In Psalms 23, he says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my haters. In fact, it tells me when haters start staring, I shouldn't be looking for haters. I should be looking for a table. But most of you are so focused on trying to manage what your haters say about you that you are missing that there is a table that is spread with everything that you are prayed about. The challenge is that most of us are not willing to... See, we, we do a lot of lying to ourselves. We... um. Most of us would like to say we don't care what people think about us. I watch people every day say they don't care what people think about them. But I know that you do because you combed your hair this morning. You combed your hair for us. You can't see your head. You combed your hair. You put makeup on. You put deodorant on. You may obey so you would feel good, but all that outward stuff, you did because we would see you. 
And so some of the freedom, the dismantling is to begin to say, when the man comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Okay, I believe there's something more in me. I believe I'm called for greatness. I believe that there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. I believe that there's a next. But there's a part of me that's a little afraid of this next over here. And so I got to start telling myself the truth. It's not really that those TV shows are that interesting. It's that those TV shows become an escape. I know all y'all don't watch TV. It's not really that your kids need you that much. It's that if you have to blame your kids, nobody's going to argue with the fact that you blame your kids. Everybody respects that you want to be a good mother. But in reality, when you're taking your kids to like four hours of practice and you tell me that you ain't got time to exercise, you can exercise the whole time they're exercising. That ain't about your kids. Your kids is just a good cover-up. Ask your neighbor, say, what's your cover-ups? It's my mom and them. It's our kids. It's our job. It's where we live. I mean, you know, we live in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, you know, and most of us are black. And, you know, they see us everywhere. And, and we never can just hide. Then stop hiding. If you go be seen, be seen. Don't hide. Don't shrink back. If you hear, it must be something in you that's anointed to handle this place. Or not. Keep hiding. <laughs> Keep hiding. Keep wanting more. Keep knowing that there's something else. Keep going to bed saying, tomorrow I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to start the business. I'm going to go after the promotion. I'm going to fix this thing in my marriage. I'm going to heal this thing and then get up tomorrow and be like, but you know what? I don't want them looking at me. Let's look at Genesis 12. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to shift. Why is this so important? Okay, well, let me ask you this. It's important for two reasons. How many people in here have kids? Okay. How many of you would be tremendously bothered by watching your kids live beneath their potential? I mean, you didn't go to the cross, but sometimes it probably felt like it. You think about the sacrifices that you have made for your kids to be where they are. How would you feel if your kid was just like, I'm afraid to be amazing. You're like, no, you got destiny, you got purpose, you got greatness. No, I'm afraid. Like, you can't decide if you want to shake them, you want to fight them, you want to lock them up. Like, how are you, how are you from me and so scared? The father says, how are you from me? And you were so scary. That's what Jesus said when they woke him up about the ship and they was like, oh my God, we go shipwreck. Don't you care? He like, why ain't y'all do something? That's what he actually said to them. He was like, you didn't even have to wake me up for this. You could have spoke to this wind and told this wind to settle down. 
You up yelling and screaming at me about how I don't care for you. I'm trying to figure out how long I got to walk with you before you realize who you really are. How many more miracles? How many more testimonies? How many more ways he got to make out of no way? How many more times he got to turn it around? How many more times was you supposed to be counted out, but you still got in the room? How many times did your boss try to plot and plan for you, and they ended up being the one getting a demotion? How many times does he have to break you through before you go, oh, all right, this is who I'm walking with, and this is who I am. In Genesis, he says, now in Genesis 12, he says, now the Lord has said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. God wants to show you things that you don't even know are in you. He wants to show you capacities and dreams and solutions that you don't even know are in you, but you can't see if you don't go. And I'm from a small town, and so I'm from a small town in southern Arkansas, Fordyce. And in Fordyce, one of the things that sometimes you'll see is that people say, you know, I've never been to Fayetteville like it's Vietnam. Like, like, it, like it's like, like it's a car drive away. You ain't even got to fill up gas to get here. It's not that hard. In fact, you could make the trip in a day if you wanted to. But people 25 years later talk to me like I live in Spain. You live way up there on that mountain to a place that they could have come to any time they wanted to. You are looking at people saying they live way up there on the mountain and ain't nothing stopping you from going to the mountain except you just won't get in your car and drive. So he says... Um, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from my father's house unto a land I will show you. Verse. He says, and I'm going to make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and thou shall be a blessing. And I think that this is the scripture that we really don't dig into enough because in, in Ephesians, it tells us that we are Abraham's seed. And the promise that's on Abraham is on us. And here's the promise. I will make you a great nation. That means not, you shouldn't be, you may be the first in your family, but you shouldn't be the last. There ought to be greatness. They, people ought to begin to associate your name with greatness. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. To be blessed means to be empowered to prosper. He says, and I'm going to make your name great. Does it sound like he's talking about average people? Who came in sixth in the NBA playoffs last year? You don't know unless it was your team. Why? Because what you remember, last night when LeBron was breaking Kobe records, he, it's greatness over greatness. They ain't talking about the guy who never played and just got a ring because he was on the practice team. He says, I will make your name great. You were never designed just to be on the practice squad. Amen. Now, it's some benefits to being on the practice squad, 
but you ain't about that practice squad life. He says, and you, he says, I'm gonna make you great. Greatness gonna come out of you. I'm gonna empower you to prosper. And then I'm gonna make your name great. And then you gonna be a blessing. Verse three. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the anointing that's on your life. People ought to hear your family last name. They ought to hear your family last name and be like, oh, yeah. And your kids and your grandkids ought to be able to say, we thank God that mama and daddy, we thank God that mama and papa, that they did this because now your name goes before me. There ought to be some things that your kids get because of the favor on your name. But not if you hide. But not if you hide. Taylor was talking to me about how she got an interview with somebody for her documentary. And I was laughed. I laughed. I said, um, she interviewed you. She let you interview you. Because I know her. I asked her. I'm talking about the kind of favor on your life that the way you had to dig to get where you are, you don't have to dig. You just start sending out emails, picking up the phone, and people start going. Oh, I wouldn't do this for nobody else, but Chandra, that's your kid? Oh, okay. Send him my way. I'll make your name great. I'll make your name great. In order for God to make my name great, I got to be willing to participate in the greatness process. It's hard for God to make my name great in algebra if I don't turn my homework in. Now, the teacher is prepared, and the teacher is prepared to tutor me, and the teacher is prepared to give me assist to help and to favor me, but I won't even turn my work in. Many of you won't turn your work in. I want to give you these three things, these four things. Oh. Shout, I'm going to live. I want to give you these two definitions, and I'm going to give you these four things, and then we're out of here today. In order for us to do what Pastor Edwin is saying we have to do, we got to agree with God. How many of you can admit right now that you have some dreams that you don't have a clue how it could be done? Hands held high. Because I'm telling you, if you can figure out how to do your dreams, they ain't from God. All God-sized dreams are the kind of dreams where you go, did you mean me? Like, I know I'm smart, but I ain't that smart. And that's when he go, but I am. But I am. So God puts dreams on the inside of you, and then he puts a blessing on you. So when the Bible says you're blessed, that means you're empowered to prosper. I want you to make this confession. Say, everything God has created me to do, I have the power to do right now. 
Because God doesn't set you up to fail. If God tells you your marriage can be turned around, it's because he's already seen the marriage turned around. If God tells you that your family can be turned around, it's because he's already seen it turned around. If God says you're healed, it's because he's already seen you healed. If God says you're the CEO, it's because he's already seen you sitting in the chair with your name on, 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 on the hip, on the marquee. It's because he knows, because he wrote the end from the beginning. So what's he looking for? He is looking for someone to say what Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. I ain't got a clue how you go do it, but I'm down. But I'm down. Most of us are only down when it's a song where we got our hands lifted and we crying. God, I'll do anything for you. God, I'll go anywhere for you. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I want you to apply for that job. I can't do that. Is she going anywhere or not? I have decided to follow Jesus. It's more than one chair up here, walk to the back of the church, give your life to Jesus. It means that if, when God says, I want to walk you into media, I want to walk you into corporate America, I want to walk you into education, I want to walk you into law, I want to walk you into medicine, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Wherever you, though none go with me. It don't even make sense where you're trying to take me or why you even think I'm qualified to be here. But you say we going? Let's go. Let's go. So, blessing is the empower to prosper. And favor is the opportunity to prosper. Now, stop and think about that for someone. Every place you see in, in the New Testament, you'll see favor and ble um, grace and blessings. You don't see the word favor so much, but the word grace and favor are synonyms, right? So what he says is over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see them joined together, blessing and favor, blessing and grace. Here's what he's saying to you. Chris, I called you to do something. I empowered you to do it, and I'm giving you favor so you have an opportunity to do it. Everybody knows somebody that's good at something, but they ain't got no favor because they didn't get the opportunity to do it. It's not just enough for us to declare we're blessed. We have to declare that we are favored. That means there are some opportunities with your name on them. Right now, there are some rooms where somebody is talking about you. Your expectation has to be the favor of God goes before me, preparing the way so when I come in you was already ready you already knew I was coming I can tell you don't really understand it I can tell that most people just think blessed and highly favored is some cute religious cliche but blessed and highly favored actually means from the foundation God created me to do something and then he set up people because here's the promise of favor God promises that when you get in faith about favor he obligates himself to raise up somebody to do for you what you could not do for yourself you're not in the room and you cannot speak for yourself so he obligates himself to find somebody that will speak in the room on behalf of you they don't want to get you the promotion he obligates himself to find somebody to go get your resume and pull it to the front and say pick her that's why the bible says his favor is better than life there are rooms that money can't get you in tell your neighbor say money's nice you need money but favor is better than money It's people who got money all over the country 
who don't get into certain schools. But if God wants you at that school, God is obligated to call somebody to do for you what you could not do for yourself. I know you had good grades, and I know that you met all of the community service requirements, and I know that you did extracurricular activities. The problem is you're not the only one. So now you need something that gives you preferential treatment that causes a light to shine on you when you ought to just be treated like the pack. But when God has purpose and plan for your life, you will end up in rooms and go, how I get here? One moment of favor can accelerate a lifetime of labor. It ain't that I'm against hard work. I believe you ought to work for what you want. But I believe that there are some times when you have done everything you know to do and what you need is someone to extend preferential treatment on your behalf. Everybody who shows up big time ain't big time because they the best. Some of them people tapped into favor and favor got them into the room. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing. If you're going to operate in favor, you can't hate on favor. Um, favor is like an airline rewards program. Or let's try the Starbucks rewards program. Starbucks says if you frequent us on a regular basis, we're going to do some things for you that we don't do for everybody else. It means that sometimes you're gonna come and they're gonna say, oh, you have rewards. This drink is on us. Now, I've noticed in the airline that there are people who are haters of favor. And there are people who bought a discount ticket, and are not aggravated because someone else has status with the airline, and they got bumped to the front of the line. They don't really realize it, but they're haters of favor. I'm asking you not to be a hater of favor, because if favor's going to work on your behalf, this is what I tell my kids all the time, in order for favor to work on your behalf, that means that all the time it ain't your time to be favored. It's always your time to be favored when it's your time, but it ain't always your time. That means that there are moments when you want it to go to the front of the line and God says, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That spot ain't yours. Mish, come here. That's your spot. You have to learn not to be offended with the preferential treatment of God. Bishop Jake said it like this. It ain't fair because it can't be explained. See, the neat thing about God is that God does not need a committee to promote you. God does not need a committee to promote you. That also means God don't need your approval to promote them. Which means that when you start seeing favor operating in other people's life, you ought to start praising God. Because if favor is flowing... You just might as well get on in line. So let's take these four things and then we're done. You have, number one, you have to believe that you are already blessed and favored. See, I, 
I mean, honest to goodness, who really expect favor? Look, some of y'all, y'all, y'all is missing out. It's all kind of resources, and y'all, they don't even know what they're missing out when they don't expect favor, do they? You don't even know. No, I expect favor. I, I, listen, I expect favor, and I don't care nothing about what you believe in for. Because I don't personally believe God has any shortage. So my favor don't have nothing to do with your favor. And I'm not leaving my favor on the table because you scared to ask. I, I want all my favor. Somebody should say that. Say, I want all my favor. Some of y'all owe some favor because you left your favor in 2019 on the table. Like, you didn't even take all your favor on 2019. You'll be like, all my 2019, it's, it's like AT&T minutes. It roll over. Roll my favor over. The favor that I left in 2017 that I didn't know I should ask for, roll it on over. I'm going to take all of my favor, preferential treatment. That's what favor is. It means I'm preferred. Say, I'm preferred. Say right now, God is raising up someone to do for me what I can't do for myself. So if you believe that you're already blessed and favored, then the second thing you got to do is you got to expect favor. You get up expecting favor. Let me tell you something. When you choose to truly live a blessed life, you get on other people's nerves. You get on other people's nerves. You know, like, um, when we go places sometimes and they say it's an hour wait, I just go, not for us. We're not going to wait an hour. I'd be like, Lord, can you do something about that? And then they'd be like, oh, these people left. Yes, thank y'all so much. That's the favor of God. You need to expect favor. I expect favor everywhere I go, and I sow favor. What's a way you can sow favor? Good tips? You'd be like, hey, you got to serve me today? I got you. I got you. But I'm going to favor you because I'm looking for favor. So I expect to experience favor. You have to guard your mouth when something isn't working on your behalf. Sometimes you curse what God is doing, talking about how somebody else trying to stop you. I have not found anybody who can stand against God. I don't talk about who think I shouldn't be in the room? What I know is that if you keep talking, you'll mess around and not be in the room. Because if God decides, that, that's not arrogance on me. If God has decided this is my room and you become an enemy to this room, you won't be here. Three, declare favor. Declare favor. Declare favor over your kids. Declare favor at your job. You got a difficult situation at your job. You should begin to declare favor. Father, I thank you that even if they don't like me, they can't help but favor me. I thank you that your favor is all over me. 
Joseph is such a great example of favor. favor there is so, first of all, Joseph's father favors him. The favor of his father gets him thrown into a pit. He then gets sold, goes into Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife favors him. She favors him so much that she lie on him. He gets thrown into a prison. He gets favored in the prison. He ends up being in charge of the whole prison. The favor in the prison positions him to get in the palace. You don't have to worry about whether they try to throw you in a pit, whether they try to throw you in prison. The favor will cause you to elevate no matter where they try to throw you. And then four, give thanks for favor. You got to learn to notice those things that happen. You're like, man, that was the favor of God. We're about to go. Yesterday, Santresa, um, who's on our prayer team, she's with the kids today. Um, she was at home and she was in her duplex and she could, we were all on a video. And she, I was like, what is that noise? She says, they're doing my roof. And she is in the house because they're doing her roof. She doesn't need to go outside. She know what they're doing. Well, when she gets ready to go outside, they have put a, um, the dumpster so she cannot get out her driveway. So she asked them to move the, drive, the dumpster, and they told her no. What? So she called the police. When she called the police and the police came, the police said, well, we could call a dumpster. I mean, we could call a wrecker. And then the second police officer came and said, well, technically, we're not supposed to call the wrecker because it's private property, whatever. And he said, but let me ride down to the end of the street because I think I saw somebody who has a truck big enough to pull this dumpster out. So the police goes on her behalf to somebody else's house that she don't know and say, hey, can you move this dumpster out of the way so she can get out her yard? And then they come and do it. I said, that's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. Many times we miss out on what God would do in our life because we start complaining. We start talking about who hating on us. I'm going to give you a piece of advice. This week when you see something that looks like hate, look for favor instead. Begin to declare favor. They trying to stop me. Must be some favor somewhere. They don't want me to win. Must be some favor somewhere. Where's the favor? What's God doing in my life right now? So I just want to encourage you. We're talking about the next 10 years of how God wants to set you up for a win. If you don't have a vision, you need to be writing down, Lord, what do you want to do? And listen, anybody over 40 can tell you 10 years fly by so fast. Some of you remember being 16. The next thing you know, you was 25. You, you couldn't wait to drive. Now, now you wish your mama paid your insurance again. Listen, time moves fast. And if you don't have a vision for your life, then all you get is the same life you just had. So if you like, hey, in 10 years I see myself owning four rental properties. You ought to be looking at rental properties right now. Do you know you can look at rental properties with a 300 credit score? Don't nobody ask you your credit score to look. 
But you know what can happen? You keep looking, and those properties start growing up on the inside of you, and you start getting solutions to turn your credit around. And maybe it ain't all the way turned around. But you keep showing up so much that a man says to you, man, you know what? I just feel like God want me to give you this property. That's the favor of God. I say all the time, you don't have to pay for everything. The Bible said, I'm, I'm not talking, hold on, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm not talking about trying to screw people out what's due them and always asking for a discount. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that there are things that God has prepared for you that he will have people give to you. But your whole expectation can't be just sitting around, I'm waiting on somebody to give it to me. It's got to be I'm positioning myself. Last thing, and then we'll get ready to give our offering this morning. I believe that one of the things that God, ways that God always tests for promotion is to see what you'll release. What do I mean? People say things to God like this. They say, God, if I had a million dollars, I would bless everybody. He'd be like, okay, get that homeless man that $20 in your wallet. I'm not giving him that $20. See, if you had a million dollars, you wouldn't bless everybody. Be, be aware of the instructions that God gives you that don't make sense. I think that what God loves to do is to ask us to give stuff to people that we don't think qualify for. There's two types of people that God likes to ask us to give stuff to. One, people who we think ought to be in a better situation, but they don't fully participate. And people who we think got enough money that they don't need ours. Gotta be like, bless so-and-so. You like, bless her. You see, she drive a Mercedes. She need to bless me. He trying to help you. 